Good morning, and welcome back to Word, here and there, Inspirational Plus. I am Carolyn, your podcast host. All the way. What does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees. Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 and 13. We may be guilty today, at least in some ways, of treating God too much like our buddy or friend. By doing that, we do not fear him and hold him in awe as we should. God demands our respect. He is powerful, mighty, and jealous for our worship. It is a privilege to be able to serve and obey him. However, he doesn't want half-hearted service. He wants everything we can give. The two things go together. If we fear and revere him, we will deserve to serve and obey him completely and be honored at the privilege of doing so. Today is Friday. We made it through the week. That is a blessing in itself. And tomorrow is the weekend. So I hope you guys have a good one. Today's horoscope for December 15th. You are upbeat, optimistic, and forever curious. You believe in yourself and your abilities. This has been a year of learning and exploration for you. Some deeper thinking. Your payoffs come in 2024, and you can expect kudos, awards, adulation, promotion, and acknowledgement. Bravo. My granddaughter's birthday is tomorrow. She is a genius child, and she will be 20. Her and her mom are going on that trip tomorrow to Aruba. I hope they have a safe one. And again, tomorrow I'll be wishing her a happy birthday. I read in Dear Abby, listen to this. Reader cannot resist bait from online fishermen. Dear Abby, I have been involved with a man I met online. We text and talked for months before we met. He told me he had a lady friend he goes fishing with. He said she was just a friend. On our first Valentine's Day, he gave me a teddy bear that said, I love you. I started developing deep feelings for him, but he then informed me that he loved her. I tried several times to walk away, but he kept pulling me back. I don't know if it doesn't want to hurt her or if he just loves having two women in his life. I know about her, but she doesn't know about me. Should I contact her and let her know? What is the right thing to do? So dear Abby responds, dear two-timed. The right thing to do is to walk away from this person and stay away. He lied to you when he told you his fishing buddy was just a friend. Now that you know their relationship is more than that, run. Dear Abby, my parents announced during their recent visit that they are planning to move here. Because of a laundry list of complaints, including them being snippy to serving staff in restaurants, my wife has decided she never wants to visit with them again. My inheritance from my parents is only is my only hope of being able to retire. What do I do? Dear Cornered, that the reason you won't tell your parents not to move closer is the inheritance you expect to get from them is sad, not only for them, but also for you and your wife. Explain the facts of life to your missus and make clear that you expect her to show your parents the same respect you have shown to hers. She probably won't have to see them as often as you will, but she can 
write them off entirely because of the financial impact it will have on you. Then cross everything you have to of that at last moment. They don't donate their money elsewhere. And this last one, Dear Abby, my neighbor Doris runs our neighborhood group that has in-person meetings once a year. She didn't have any meetings in person or even Zoom for three years during COVID. Two weeks ago, she contacted me and asked me to come to the next meeting. I told her I didn't want to because at last meeting, I wasn't able to ask all the questions I wanted of City Hall officials. Doris apologized several times and assured me it would not happen again. Last week, I attended the meeting, and they had a sheriff's deputy speak. We were told we could ask questions, so when it was my turn, I began asking questions, and Doris cut me off and censored me. I saw later that evening that she tried to call me, but I feel it would be redundant to have the same conversation with her. What do I do now that I have been buried twice by her behavior? Dear Ben there, you have two choices. Either stop attending those meetings or, because you feel Doris is too controlling, oppose her leadership. Run for that position. If you have the time to devote to it and ask your neighbors for their votes, it may be time for the winds of change to blow through your neighborhood. Our story, just a quick one, is called Magic Snowball Time. If a child is to keep alive his inborn sense of wonder, he needs the companionship of at least one adult who can share it, rediscovering with him the joy, excitement, and mystery of the world we live in. Every fall, when the frost first played freeze tag with the grass, Papa would come to our house. He would shuffle in his soft, shiny leather shoes, dancing across Mama's sunflower yellow tiled kitchen floor. All six of us kids knew why he was there. First frost meant magic snowball time. Papa only came to our house once a year. He and Granny lived in an apartment upstairs from an old neighborhood corner store in the big city. Papa said they lived there to be close to old-fashioned penny candy counter in the store. We went to see Papa, Granny, and that penny candy counter every Saturday. Unless, of course, the first frost fell on a Saturday. The first frost always meant that Papa was coming to see us. Papa would bring an old, battered coal shovel and an old-fashioned ice chest with him. He'd hustle all six of us kids out to the backyard. Then he'd start digging and talking. He always worked as he talked. Papa would tell us how we lived with the gypsies before he'd met Granny. He'd tell us about life on the road with the carnival. He'd show us magic tricks and tell us strange but true tales of gypsy powers. Then Papa would start talking about the importance of the magic snowbank. He'd gather around him and listen like we were supposed to, but never did in church. He would tell us how some folks believed that if you wanted a good snowy winter, you always had to save a little snow from the winter before and put it into the magic snowbank. Then he'd let us each have a turn digging. The dirt would fly as we steadily took turns digging down into the earth. We could smell the last barbecued breeze of summer and the newly fallen leaves of autumn. Sometimes we'd all swear that we'd smell the peppermint, candy cane, gingerbread house, and poinsettia fragrances of Christmas wafting out that hole. Papa would tell us how some folks believed that you have to give to the earth if you want to give to you. 
he talked about how many good farmers know that you can't expect to reap a harvest without planting seeds. Our snow seeds were in his old ice chest. Soon enough, Papa would open that old ice chest. We'd crowd around it with the same amount of wonder every year. Inside, Papa would sing seven perfect magic snowballs. There was always one for him and one for each of us kids. We'd wait politely, but impatiently as he passed them out, we could never hold them for long, as Papa said it wouldn't work if we were selfish. We didn't want to melt the snow and have nothing to offer the earth. We would suddenly place our snowball into the hole, quickly, if still a bit reluctantly. There not a, there's not a child I've ever known that didn't want to throw a snowball once it was placed into his or her hands. We weren't any different. We just knew that we had to give our snowballs to the earth. Our snowballs were magic. Our snowballs were the seeds for the magic snowbank. Papa would cover our magic snowball bank with the dirt that we'd shoveled out of the hole. We'd all hold hands and sing Christmas carols as Papa buried our magic snowballs. Then Papa would wipe his hands on his pants and smile. Well, we've planted our magic snowballs on the day of the first frost, kids. It's up to the magic snowbank now, he'd say. When the first snow came, as it did every winter, all six of us would run out into the yard and catch snowflakes on our tongues and in our mittens. We tasted tickly, shivered delight of falling ice stars. We'd examine the crystal's beauty, beauty of bright white frost flakes on dark, warm mittens. It was all Papa's magic, and we were a part of it. We would dance and hug and giggle and grin and sing, all six of us together. We never quarreled or argued on the day the first snow fell. We were too pleased with ourselves. We knew we were magic. The first snow reminded us of Papa, the first frost in our magic snowbank deep within the earth. We knew we had a secret all our own. We had helped the snow to fall once again. We were snow farmers, to, and to us, first frost meant magic snowball time. I'm all grown up now. Still, I'll tell you a secret. My family carries on Papa's magic. We have a magic snowbank in our backyard. Think of us when the first snow flies, as I think of my Papa and hope that someday my grandchildren will think of me. It's always nice to remember grandparents at Christmas time. I remember my grandmother would make all these fantastic cakes and pies, and our Christmas tree was always so big and so round and so gorgeous. It was just beautiful. And the house was always so warm and just had that homey, loving feeling. So this Christmas, remember your, your grandparents. A lot of ours are gone, but I am also a grandparent. But um, let's not forget them this year. It's nine days before Christmas, and we'll be here before you know it. I hope you have a great day. This is Carolyn with the word here and there, Inspirational Plus. Take care.